are listening to another episode of the Radiant Menopause Podcast. Tables are turned in this episode where I am being interviewed by Sheila Balgobin. This was just as the podcast was coming out, so you might be interested to listen to the reasons for me doing the podcast, the type of episodes that I want to produce, and we also talk about sleep and hormones and HRT in the second half. I hope you enjoy. afternoon, good morning, wherever you are. I'm here today with a good friend, colleague, and extraordinary person, <laughs> Dr. Jill Barham. Jill Barham is a specialist in women's health and has been doing a, a new series on menopause. And it's been generating a lot of interest. I have to admit, it's been very interesting the different discussions we've been having about different aspects of women's health in relationship to menopause. But there's something about about Jill that many people may or may not know or have learned since lockdown is that she plays the guitar and she sings very well. It wasn't what you were going to say. It was a pleasure listening to you during lockdown. (laughs) <laughs> well, that was funny. I wondered what you were going to say there. <laughs> ah, yeah. Suspense. So um, today, Jill, I just wanted you to, to talk about this, this uh, kind of new phase that, of work that you're doing in terms of working with women around menopause. And what, what are you focusing on or what do you find that the women that are, that are listening to your, your podcast and lies focusing on just tell us uh, walk us through a little bit about that okay well thanks thanks Sheila it's really wonderful because uh, you know the tides turn because of course I interviewed you probably two years ago now I can't remember on the yeah. Vitality our TV show so uh, it's nice to be the guest I have to say. Yes, absolutely yes yeah, so I've worked on women's health for for many years actually but haven't really kind of owned the space or branded it in in those terms because I do help men as well but just to try and kind of hone down on who I help and how I help them although I'm not really doing anything different I've just kind of tied a new ribbon over it and branded it so that it's easier for women to find me that's effectively what's going on so it's not like I'm new in the space it's just that you know, I've created a way for women to be able to connect with me more easily, you know, just to be able to tell them, be a bit more open and uh, obvious about what I do. <laughs> I actually have a podcast at the moment called The Life You Deserve, but this is a newly branded one, which isn't launched yet. I'm just about to do the launch process and getting the first episodes recorded. You've heard it here first, folks. Absolutely. So keep Watch out for it because there's really, really wonderful information practical information available yeah so i mean there are menopause webs uh, um podcasts around but uh what i wanted to be able to do the reason i called it radiant menopause is because i really want to target it towards the positive sides 
of being a midlife woman. So anybody that's over 40, you know, people say to me, oh, I'm 46 or I'm 52 and I'm not sure whether or not I'm in the menopause. Well, the simple fact is if you're over 40, it's likely that if you're not in it already, you will be very soon into the perimenopausal period. So it's not really about having symptoms or having a blood test that proves it. You know, by definition, the age at which you are is actually determining whether or not you are perimenopausal, which is the bit up till the last day of your period. Now, can I just break in here for a moment? Because that the age that with the, that women go through perimenopause period before actual menopause can vary. I mean, the heredity, diet, all kinds of things can influence when women go into into menopause. And one thing that, as a therapist, that I noticed is that I was encountering younger women, women in their 30s, going through menopause or, or having, you know, menopausal symptoms, which I don't know if that's, I think it's a, a result of many things, including the environment and, you know, food that's less nutritious, more stress, all kinds of things that, that are just creating this perfect storm. And the fertility rates for women seem to be dropping um, despite living longer. So th there's something very strange going on there, I think, at the moment. You know, I think there is much evidence to suggest that our lifestyles, our 21st busy lifestyles and the stress that we are all under as women trying to juggle everything and now be superwoman all the time <laughs> means that, you know, we are seeing women uh, potentially go into the menopause a bit earlier. But I think there's another factor too, Sheila, and that is that we are leaving our families till later. Yes. So if we are seeing more women over 40 having children than women under 20, it means that the trend is that women are trying to get pregnant now after they've had their career, maybe mid thirties onwards. Right. And so it's being highlighted that these women are perimenopausal because they're, in, they're having difficulty getting pregnant. I'm not sure um, if there isn't just that going on, you know, we're more aware of it because of that fact, or if indeed we really evolutionary wise haven't changed that much in that the ideal age is still 18 to have a child physiologically, but of course, from a social point of view and from, you know, a work perspective, we want to be still having children at 35. And, you know, I don't know that it's any different, but I suspect that, you know, it takes millions of years or thousands and thousands of years for our bodies, as you know, to adapt to, um, to a new way of living. And so I do think that there are other dietary things, as you know, as a nutritional therapist, of course, I will say that. Um, but, I, you know, I think it is a combination of the two. I think more women just want to get pregnant and that's what's highlighting it. Well, I mean, it, you look at cultures that are still fairly traditional, what you would call, you know, aboriginal cultures, or, or I hate that word, primitive cultures. But I think those more traditional societies still have that structure where it's the grandparents who still have authority, who are still held in high esteem, that um, teach the young ones. While the healthy ones, the, and the ones in, in their youthful years or, or earlier years, are out doing the work. 
so that the, the grandparents, like which has become de facto in the West, <laughs> the grandparents are caring for the kids while their parents go out to work. And I think there's some sense, and biologically, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you're right, I think it's going to take an awfully long time first to change even the mindset of humans, much less get them to, to actually to work in rhythm or in pattern with the, the natural world. But the, I mean, and that's a lot of it. This lockdown has showed just how unnatural people have become. People, you know, gosh, I've never heard so many birds, people are saying, or it was really nice to walk in the park. And it's like, you see, all of this stuff is around you the whole time but you weren't seeing it. You were doing this. Well, also they're <laughs> reconnecting with their children. You know, these absent parents are beginning to realize that actually they, they are having a nice time with their children and their children are connecting with them. And I'm not criticizing parents for going out to work. That's no, of course not. Bad. But it is about life choices. And I've heard on many of the many Zoom calls that I've had over the last three months of women and men actually saying, do you know what? You know, I'm not going to be working for as long or those or away from home because I've really enjoyed the time with my children. And actually, it doesn't matter how much I buy them and where I take them. What has happened here is that I understand that all they want for me is, is from me is for me to be present. Yes, there is value uh, in taking time out. There yes, is and I, you know, I think one of the things that the, in, in a way, the podcast is a good, is, is good timing mm. is because we've all had the opportunity, me included, to be able to reevaluate things. And the great thing about being a midlife woman is that we are in our wisdom years. And so to be able to bring women on and men, actually, because I will be interviewing men too, but to be highlighting women that have fulfilling lives in their 50s and 60s and beyond this is the kind of podcast that I want to run yes I will be covering the ins and outs of the menopause and what it means because there's a stupid amount of, of ignorance about it in the best possible sense and am among women and doctors as well oh, yeah yeah present company accepted but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, not, I'm not a medical doctor as you know you know my yeah, well. I am with all my you know, experience as a nurse and knowing nurses and knowing GPs and knowing people in the medical profession, they are not taught about the menopause. They are not interested in it, the majority of them. There are some wonderful menopause specialists out there um, who are doing a fantastic job, but that's a tiny, tiny amount. And there's still a huge amount of ignorance about menopause, particularly around the benefits of HRT and the risks of HRT. So that's what we're going to be talking about in, you know, in greater detail and getting those stories and getting the actual facts, you know, busting the myths and, and, um, um, and really presenting. It, it, and it, it's really, really needed because one of the things when we were having chats in over the past few weeks, one of the things that came up in the lives that you had been doing was that, um, some women really, really, really suffer going through menopause and others who don't. There, again, there are many factors involved, I think, in how women not only go through the, their years in their fertile years, but how they pass through menopause as well. 
Yeah, one that often has a correlation. You're quite right. So if they've suffered with PCOS, you know, polycystic ovary syndrome, if they've had lots of PMT, if they've had painful periods of endometriosis, you know, there is a there is definitely a correlation. You know, you don't you don't really see many women who haven't had problems who all of a sudden start developing these perimenopausal symptoms um, it's not to say that that's the case because you can't generalize in the same way that you can't generalize and say that every woman that is perimenopausal has hot flushes and night sweats that's not true that's right um, but what you can generalize on is that you know 150 years ago the average age of the last day of the of the period which is menopause which is what it actually means was something like 57 but then we were living till we were what, 59. So two years without estrogen, you know, I can cope with that. <laughs> but actually now we are going, you know, into the perimenopause, perhaps a little bit earlier, arriving at that last day on average 51. So women will suffer perimenopausal symptoms seven to 14 years, something like that. Uh, black women suffer longer, by the way, interestingly. And then we are living till we're 81 or 91. You know, Vera Lynn died yesterday at 192. 92. 92. No, 102. Oh, they must have misprinted because I saw 92. But, oh, I but think yeah, 100. Well, you know, my grandmother died at 104 and her mind was as sharp as a tack. Yeah. You know, I mean. But it does mean that we are even, because it will affect people, different people in different ways, you know. Exactly. This estrogen withdrawal, and rather than calling it you know the uh, the postmenopause. it actually is a withdrawal from estrogen that's really what we are suffering from and even if you have sailed through the perimenopausal period which you were fortunate to do the effects of the lack of estrogen nourishing the body for the next 20 30 years mm. are the ones that puts us at more risk because estrogen protects us yeah. as women yes. we have the advantage over men you know, we don't have as many heart attacks and strokes and broken bones and, you know, autoimmune, all those sorts of things as men until we are postmenopausal. Post and right. so actually it's not really even HRT is not even particularly about just alleviating symptoms, alleviating symptoms. What is really what I'm fascinated about, because I'm definitely postmenopausal, is how can I keep well? How can I... Um, maintain estrogen levels or boost my estrogen levels so that I can enjoy these wisdom years so that I can be fit cognitively physically um, emotionally as well sure. because of course it's a you know emotional roller coaster yes. you know that women can go through and some, and some women say oh I hear it saying all the time oh well I ha I did suffer with the menopause but I'm over all that now that's the common phrase. I'm, I'm through that and I'm out the other side and I'm over all of that. Mm. What are you over? Yes, you're over maybe the symptoms, but for a lot of women, they continue. But even if the symptoms, your particular symptoms have gone away, actually the effects of withdrawal from estrogen are definitely going to show up at some point. So whether that's osteoporosis, more risk of heart attack or stroke, Alzheimer's because of cognitive impairment, you are more at risk. And if you have any underlying diseases like, you know, diabetes, for example, then you, you know, that exponentially, that's more at risk as well. Yes. I mean, it, there's, there's so many things. I mean, it, uh, one of the things that you said, there's, there's a lot of misinformation, misinformation or no information out there. 
But one of the things that, that was a hot topic of debate, to HRT or to not HRT, and I found that fascinating because I, it wasn't something that I considered. It's still not something that I would generally consider, but I, I understand the value of it for the women who, who it's transformed their lives and made their lives bearable. I tried to go with things that were with the natural forms of phytoestrogens, plant estrogens or aromatherapy oils to help the system to slowly and gently build up estrogen levels, at least so that they can mitigate some of these effects that you're talking about. And I think, I think you're right, you know, being a natural health consultant and a functional nutritionist, what is very clear is that even if you decide to take hormone replacement therapy, and believe me, it is a very different kettle of fish than it was many years ago, sure. you know, there, there is, the evidence is out there that actually all of the scare stories are, the, are that, they are mm. scare stories. And there are lots of very eminent studies and eminent professors and scientists and gynecologists that are um, up to date with actually the real true facts of HRT. But that's not to say that I'm proposing that every woman go on it. But, you know, there are lots of people who could be on it, but have got it in their head because their GPs told them you've Mm. had breast cancer or you've got the BRCA gene or it's in your family. Therefore, you have to stay away from HRT. This is not true. Mm. It's just not true. And finding somebody that a specialist who is actually up to date with the facts is the real problem. This is the real elephant in the room. That the elephant is not HRT or E or ORT, which is estrogen um, therapy, rather than HRT, which is estrogen and progesterone. So that that's the issue that we have is the misinformation. But whether you decide to or not, you know there are some key things, and this is the message. This will be the messages that we're putting out on the podcast. Is that you know that's that aside you have to be able to understand how your body works and what it needs and so we do have these estrogens these hormones being produced by our endocrine glands for example but they can't produce them if we're stressed no you know because there's they you know two of them sit on the top of the the adrenal glands for example if if you're stressed and you're too busy producing cortisol those little bits of estrogen that sit in there or you know, forget they, it they get knocked out of the park exactly <laughs> and so that's the same with the foods that you can eat you know with the phytoestrogenic food as you say with those supportive herbs and oils and mm. other techniques like meditations and mindfulness right. anything that reduces your stress whether it's a physical stress or an emotional stress will help you to retain the estrogen you want. If you just look at it in terms of, you know, I've, I, to be honest, I, this is new for me, by the way, because I was in complete denial, you know, that <laughs> I needed estrogen at all. I was, well, it only just slows down the menopause. And, you know, I was, I bought into all of that. I'm absolutely putting that out there. I bought into all the scare stories, came off estrogen patches two years after I started having them when I had my hysterectomy at 45 because I was scared too. So it's only about doing due diligence and understanding and looking at the proper research that I've got my head around it. And actually for me, it was the the straw that broke the camel's back. I've had virtually every menopause symptom going, but I believe that's my gift so that I can help other women understand what's going on. Um, But when I got to vaginal atrophy, when I, you know, it was so bad that I couldn't even sit in a, in a 
car seat you know on a long journey because it was so it wasn't it wasn't just itchy you know that that silly thing that you see on the on the on the television tv (laughs) oh you get a little bit of itch believe me it's not a little bit of itch Um, because this lack of estrogen you know basically shrinks all of the things that are in that area all of them you know the vagina and, and the things that are either side and so this has a massive effect not for all women maybe 50 percent of women they reckon mm. will suffer from some form of vaginal dryness and atrophy but this has a massive effect on women and of course nobody talks about it no this is the thing i mean everything is is so taboo um even now with you know in 2020 with you know you don't hear about this th- these things these matters and it's like why well, most, um, people, most people know they should check their breasts but yeah. most people don't know they should check their vulva and their vagina they don't know that they should be looking at that too on a monthly basis just to check it out and see what it looks like because if you don't know what it looks like how, how do you know when it's when something's wrong funnily enough that doesn't just extend to our bodies it extends to our minds and inner workings as well our you know our emotions people are so extroverted and so out there and so you know living the facebook life as i call it that they don't have time or even inclination to to sit be with themselves sit with themselves and actually get to know who they are and what they're about because i tell you what if they did that probably the great majority of them would not be happy doing what they're doing. They'd want to be doing something else. And I think that's really true of what's gone on in the last three months with lockdown. Yeah. You know, you look at, and I know that, you know, we've not been able to go to the doctors, but you look at the reduction in people showing up at their GPs and showing up. Now there will be a knock on effect. Of course, of coronavirus is not actually just the people that are dying because they're dying of corona but because they're not getting adequate treatment right you know and i'm definitely not saying that that that's a good thing but however we do tend as a nation because we have this wonderful national health service here in the uk is to rely on other people fixing us and i think what's really interesting for the last three months is that i think there is a more awareness of taking responsibility for our own health And actually that really money is good and we need it, but actually the health of ourselves and our families is of the prior importance. And I really truly hope that women in particular remember that as we come out in in whatever is going to be the new normal. During lockdown, I actually created a course based on what, what we've been talking about, that people were in the midst of lockdown and it was forest for the trees. They just couldn't see anything else. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? What about the kids' school? What about this? What about that? What about there wasn't even mental space to be able to consider other possibilities in terms of how to manage, you know, to get that mortgage sorted and how to do this and how to do that and you know, getting the kids educated. When I looked around, what I noticed was that just there were certain people who were thriving even under lockdown. And it was like, well, okay, well, what what are, what are these people doing? What are we doing that, that's getting them to, to like in a good space despite the, the rather dire situation? And there were, there were certain characteristics. I mean, you know, I, we were laughing about you playing the guitar, but I mean, that is a great stress buster. I, what I would do, I'd put on my favorite samba music and dance my ass off. <laughs> so, 
But, you know, or sit on the patio and watch the birds building nests under the rose bushes. I found it wonderful to take that time to step back. You know, we've been put on the divine naughty stool, but to step back and to actually consider, you know, what I was doing, where I was going, where I wished to be. And when I get there doing the same things I was doing before. Yeah, yes and no. I've been doing quite a lot of network meeting, meetings and I've actually started, uh, been asked to co-host a ladies networking meeting uh, for an organisation called the Business Community. And I've been presenting kind of little short passages and one of those is on personal development. And, and it was wonderful to have the opportunity to do that because exactly what you're saying is that you know, a lot of these people in this business community were very focused on how can I get my marketing better? How can I change my practices so, so I can work from home? How can I access the funds at the government? What do I do about furloughing people? How can I make sure that I've, you know, I'm going to be able to sustain my business going forward? Yada, yada, yada. Um, but I kind of came in and went, okay, I realize all of that. I, I recognize you've got to work on what your business is going to be like after this. But actually, who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? What, are you, what have you learned from this process? And what are you, you going to take forward from a personal development point of view into um, your life going forwards? And what, what, can you, what can you sustain, for example? Um, and also, what's of more benefit to you? Is it just about you now? Or have you seen a much bigger picture? So it's been really quite interesting. And I've had some really great feedback from that because you know getting people out of their heads and putting them into their hearts for that you know 20 minutes has been quite quite interesting for business focused people it is very difficult and having come from the the world of business into the world of healing i mean or rather it was a sandwich because growing up as a child i was very much into healing and nature anyway then I became a banker for 20 years on Wall Street and here in the city for a time. But even throughout, throughout all of that, I was still evolving and studying and taking courses, becoming qualified as, as a therapist in various therapies. And what I find now is what bringing all of those experiences, even the banking stuff, yeah. and grounding that and deciding, like you were saying, who I am and I had always known but I had always run away from that yeah, but owning it is owning it is another thing and that's oh really yeah why you know the, the 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 radiant menopause podcast I will be bringing people on who and women particularly who have been through that process or are still going through it and asking them how did you do this how how have you become the radiant midlife woman you know what is it that you did what how can we help our listeners to understand that you know this is actually you you still have the same soul that you had when you were eight it was all already there it's all always been there there's yes. just been a lot of stuff that got in the way for the last mental year. malware <laughs> yes, <or whatever> it <laughs> is. that doesn't mean that you're not still the same you no. and so getting back in contact with that real you 
is really important yeah um and uh, you know one of the things that i want to do is to have those conversations and i'm hoping that some of them are very going to be silly and funny um <laughs> because i want the podcast to be entertaining you know there are plenty of podcasts out there that go oh and let's talk let's talk about osteoporosis you know let's talk about that. <laughs> well yeah we're gonna do that as well <laughs> to be fair there are people out there who you know that that works for them we yeah. all learn in different ways but it, it would be you know, like deadly dull for a person like me. I mean, I'd rather laugh. I find I learn better when I laugh. And in fact, studies have shown that um, when we're having fun, we actually do retain information better. Yeah, so. well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm normal as well. I have podcasts in my ears all the time. Mm. Um, and so I walk the dog. Walking the dog is my favorite thing mm. to have podcasts in my ears. And to be honest, this the only thing about this three month lockdown is that when I've been walking, I've been walking with my husband and my daughter who's at home, my youngest one. So I can't put my podcasts in. It's really annoying. Um, Cause I like doing it on my own. But, that was like, that was your me time. That's my me time, yeah. It's my yeah, learning absolutely. time. It's all about learning for me. Mm -hmm. So when I was asking women, I was going into one of the menopause groups and kind of getting their views on, would you listen to a podcast? Uh, if you would, what would you want? You know, this kind of thing. And um, most women said, oh yeah, if it was entertaining and you know, if there were no adverts and if it was, you know, if it was, uh, if it was funny and if it was informative, I'd definitely listen. One or two women went, no, absolutely not, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but at the same I time, I, yeah, I am quite aware that I can become distracted so if I've got somebody who is not engaging in my ears, unless I'm walking the dog and I've got nothing else to think about, then I can actually channel, you know, tune out. That oh, yeah. So you're right. You know, if, if we can pattern interrupt, make people listen because we're saying something outrageous, if it has to be that way to make people, you know, kind of... Kind of oh, what was that? Home. What did she say? Let me rub that back. It's <laughs> a <laughs> video word. You know, that's all good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. But I know, you know, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea in the same way that you aren't, which is fine. And I know also that I'll be able to signpost people into other places. And that's, you know, we're all in this together. This isn't about me being in competition with anybody else that's doing no, another podcast. Not at all. I think that they're only right to do that, Jill, for the simple reason that in the end, you need to be true to yourself as well. Yeah. I mean, you're providing a service, yes. Um, it's important that good information get out there. There's so much schlock out there. It's unreal. It's just unreal. But at the same time, and this is what I've learned during lockdown, that I've really had to hone in and focus and stay focused on who I was mm -hmm. and what I was about and not let anybody or anything. And I mean, the, the last few weeks have been extremely trying for lots of reasons. But in the end, I'm left with me. And that's the best place to be. Absolutely. And that's really the major message of my podcast. And, and you know, why we get on so well is because, you know, we are women of a certain age. And we've got to the point at which we kind of know what's bullshit and what's not. We kind of know that actually we don't really care as much anymore about what people think about us. <laughs> That's the great thing about being nearly six. Yeah, you know, you can say what you like, do what you like, and it's like, you can't deal with it. I tell people, like, look, this is what, I've always been this way. It is what it is. Here is what I am. If you can't deal with that, there's seven billion people on the planet. Deal with them. Yeah. It's, it's not in an arrogant way, and you're not either. It's just that 
what we learn is that we tend, if we are in a judgmental, and I've done a huge amount of work to understand when you're judging somebody else, you're actually coming at it from a place of lack in your own life. Yes. We will be covering this sort of stuff on the podcast as well. Mm. And that, you know, that's your personal reality. And in order to change the way that you, that you view other people, you have to be able to love yourself and change the way that you feel about yourself. This reminds me of, a, of a, an, inc- an incident that happened many years ago with my now late brother, who was older than me. He had gone through some hard times, came homeless, he was living in a shelter, but, and I was still the only person in the family to keep in contact with him. He came to my house for Christmas Day for dinner with my first husband and I. And my husband was a barber at the time, so he gave him a haircut and whatnot. So, you know, help, help him to, you know, you could take a shower and whatnot. And my husband said to, to Elgin, my brother, you know, you're so handsome, you're so intelligent. Can you just love yourself a bit more? And he became this fury. I have never seen anything like that in my life. It scared the shit out of me. And it also made me furious because it's like, how, you know, we're give, I'm giving you, I'm giving you, you know, what I can to help you. My husband is giving what he can here, but we're here to, to celebrate Christmas dinner and you treat my husband like this. I had to put him out of my house on Christmas day. It but killed that, me. It broke my heart. That is the issue because the, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing a program on nutrition for addiction recovery at the moment, understanding, gaining much more understanding a lot of the work that Gabba Mate does, you know, with addictions. It's not about the addiction. It's about the pain. Yes. And so what is the pain? And the pain usually is, I don't love myself. And so whether your addiction is alcohol or cocaine or sugar, chocolate, Sex, Sex, work, food, (laughs) whatever it is. Yeah, Yeah. you are filling that hole. And so it is a massive thing to challenge people with, you know, can you love yourself? Because for some Mm. people, it just seems an impossible thing for them to do. And it is, it is a very much a process and something that the majority of people need some help with. You know, we all have those of us that are in this space. You know, we've not got here on our own, have we, Sheila? No. We've all had mentors. We've yeah, all, yeah. you know, had people that we are physically being mentored by or people that we follow that are in the yeah. space. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that people grow. That's the way that I've grown and adapted. Sure. The way Absolutely. You, you can't live in isolation. It's just not possible. We don't thrive in isolation <laughs> at and, and all. My favorite quote at the moment about lockdown is we have never been so alone together. That's true. But I, I'd like to think that now that things are easy, that people will not just go back to business as usual because business as usual, quite frankly, was shitty. We could go on for hours, you know this, but yeah, we, um, <laughs> and actually, we haven't even got onto the main set, which is one of the reasons we're going to the effect of um, of sleep and hormonal wellness. Well, so we can we, we can we can finish up with that. So let's talk about sleep. <laughs> well, I mean, you are you know the sleep expert, the dream detective, and you did say to me, Joe, you said something really interesting about estrogen and sleep. Um, so, but I mean, really, just to finish up, you know, that lack of 
lack of estrogen, the withdrawal of estrogen, which is what we are all suffering from when we are over 45, 50, it's happening whether or not you sense it or not, mm. um, does actually have an effect on the brain. And the effect of those sleep hormones like serotonin, melatonin, all those sorts of things. And so one Even of the, insulin production. Exactly. So the whole endocrine system is, that's what's in charge, really, the endocrine system of all of us. And one of the biggest benefits that I have found, just to say really quickly, you know, I went to sort out my vaginal atrophy with localized estrogen, so pessaries, so you can get creams, because this is not going through the liver, it's a much safer way of delivering it, it's just going to the point where the problem is. Right. And I'm sitting down very comfortably, thank you very much. Oh, good. Um, I'm so glad because we've been, we've been talking for a while. <laughs> but at the same time, one of the biggest problems that I had, I had major hot flushes. And, you know, as a nutritional therapist, I know how important it is to eat well. You know, I've, I do a gut, a gut rebalancing program, a microbiome program. I can help so many women get rid of their menopausal symptoms without HRT. It just didn't quite work for me. <laughs> right. I, and I think this was because I had my first flush at 39 and a, a hysterectomy at 45. So I've been without any estrogen now Look, and I'm 59. So that's 20 years. Yeah. It's a long time. And I've got probably got another hopefully 30 years to go. So what I decided was that when I understood about um, the fact that because I don't have a uterus, I don't have to take take the progesterone part of it or the progesterone part of it so yeah. actually estrogen protects me from breast cancer rather than makes me more at risk and in fact it even the, even the normal hrt does if you really understand what you're looking at mm. but the biggest reason for me going is that i was just so sleep deprived and i have been for 13 years you know, if I got four nights, uh, four hours of sleep, one night a week or one night a month, oh, I was wow. doing really well. Wow. And so I never got into that really deep REM sleep. I never where had all, where all, the, all of the, the hormones and things and, and enzymes and whatnot are, are being produced and doing their, their repair and memory consolidation work. All of that is going on at those deepest levels of sleep. Yeah, and I never really got there. Never got mm. there. And it's and I got used to it because you can get used to anything. You know, you can get used to getting up three times a night with your children. So it's yeah. been like that for me because I was just used to it. Yeah. Um, but actually, when I started just taking two pumps of a gel on my on my arms and my thighs, I now sleep <laughs> for six, seven hours, and I go into a deep sleep, and mm. I feel restored. And this has just been such a revelation for me because I know that not only is this the, the effect of it now, but the effect of long-term sleep de deprivation, as you know, particularly from a cognitive and Alzheimer's, po Alzheimer's point of view, can be devastating. Absolutely. So even though there's still part of me that goes, oh, should I be taking HRT? Because those still things... Yeah, that little voice in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, is it really true? There's also a bit of me that says, actually, the quality of my life in the last three months is so much better than it was for the last well, then, 13 years. That speaks for itself. Yeah. That speaks for itself. And, and you know, and thank goodness that you were able to get past the, you know, the, the isms and schisms and and mental malware and you know misinformation that's out there yeah. to come to a place that was right for you exactly um and there it's you know there are women can get 
get scared off. Years ago, when I think when the, the application of HRT wasn't as refined as it is now, I remember that the, when I read the name of um, one med- medication, HRT, Premarin. And what does that stand for? Pregnant mare's urine. I'm like, I don't want to know horse piss. What the hell? Things like that, that just, you know, just, you hear it or you see it. It's like, no. The thing is that, you know, we go to the doctors and we'll take an antidepressant without thinking about what's in it mm-hmm. and what the side effects are. Mm-hmm. But you give somebody, you suggest to somebody that you're going to have HRT and the alarm bells go off, whether it's a Premarin or whether it's a bioidentical or body identical hormone. Mm-hmm. And there is so much bad press about it that the, that the women are not doing it. Yeah. But they will quite happily take, for example, ibuprofen in large amounts not knowing that there is a rake of side effects that can shorten their lives much quicker than actually an HRT pill will do. And that, you know, you are 10 times more likely to develop breast cancer if you are overweight than if you take a small amount of estrogen every day. Some of the myths that uh, I'm so glad that you're, you're undertaking to, to, to bust wide open because there are women who are suffering needlessly yeah. You know, their relationships are shot, shot to hell. They're, you know, they're not happy. They don't feel good in general or, or feel good about themselves, more importantly. Absolutely. Because because if, you, if it feels like knives when you're having sex, you're not going to do it, are you? You don't feel sexy. Your relationship suffers. Your husband hasn't got a scooby what's going on. He yeah. thinks it's his fault. You feel useless. You know, that's just one aspect of it. And of course, yeah. you know, it's, it's just a mixed up picture. Yeah. And you're right. That's exactly what we want to do is to be able to lay out the facts of it, to be able to say, this isn't going to happen to everybody, but if it's happening to you, you are not alone. <laughs> oh, no, you're no, not definitely you, not alone. <laughs> and when you decide to take hops, you know, I've, I've got some great supplements that I use and recommend that are hops based, which are mm-hmm. really good estrogenic, you know, phytoestrogenic. Yeah. Whether you trust that sage is the one that is for you, you know, some women benefit from that, mm-hmm. red clover, whatever it is, yeah. you know. Um, but the simple fact is that we, it is not about um, taking a medication. No. For me, it's like me, I take extra magnesium every day because I know that we are deficient. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't I take a bit of estrogen every day because I know I'm deficient? Mm-hmm. We're not telling people what they should do. If you're not going to do the research, I'll do it. Mm. And I'll tell you what I've found out. I'll share with you what I've found out. I'll even share my own personal experiences with you and the personal experiences of my guests. Mm. And then at least you're informed and you can go away. I see so many women going to their GP and saying, what should I do about this? When I went to my GP... Fix me, fix me. me. When (laughs) I went to my GP... Uh, I went and I downloaded the nice guidelines. I knew exactly what I wanted to try. And I went in and I said, okay, so I'm having these perimenopause, these symptoms, and I've been having them for a while and I'm about fed up with it. Mm-hmm. I've, de- I've decided that I would like to drive vagipen pessaries and then estradiol gel. Oh yes, she said, we can supply you with both of those. Let's test your blood pressure. Well, I have a blood pressure cuff, so I did that. She said, and, and will you jump on the scales? I said, my weight's this. <laughs> and she said, oh, okay then. And she wrote me a script. I was in and out in seven minutes. 
So I got what I wanted. She mm -hmm. was delighted because she knew, I mean, she still had to say, you know, because they're legally obliged yes, to tell me what course. the risks of HRT are, which mm -hmm. is just so sad because actually it doesn't relate to the, the transdermal stuff that I was taking, but they have to do it, which is yeah. so confusing for women and for doctors. But, you know, I was the ideal client because I, and that's what I want to do. I want to empower women so that they can arrive at their GPs or their specialists or their physicians knowing what they want and being able to have a sensible conversation with them and being empowered to say, actually, you're wrong. These are the facts. Here's the copy of the nice guidelines, which you should know about. <laughs> Um, and actually, um, thank you very much, but this is what I want. You know, it's funny because it's not just in, in terms of medical treatments. I, it was um, some statistic that came out of some months ago, a few months ago now, that, um, and I even did a little live um, about it, is that women are, uh, on average, will have to go to their doctor 11 consecutive appointments before their issues are addressed properly. Yeah. If they get addressed properly yeah. at all. Because men having um, menopausal symptoms, this would all be sorted. Oh, you know, know that. <laughs> you know and, that. And maternity leave would be mandatory. Yeah. You look at how quickly Viagra came onto the market, how quickly that was all solved. If it was men who were suffering in the way that thousands and thousands of women suffer, then this would uh, be a very, very different scenario. Oh, yeah. The way that women are treated still in this society. And of course, we haven't even got into the various different race, you know, problems and ethnic back backgrounds and the way that mm. they view sex. And Absolutely. some women, for example, the Asian community or the Muslim community, you know, their whole life opens up to them because they're able to go to their temples, for example, or their, mm. their places of worship when they've stopped menstruating. This is supposed to be a free the freedom part of our lives yes mm -hmm. for me uh, that was i told people i said well yeah you know i'll never have a 24 inch waist again but i still have a nice waistline <laughs> yes. you know and there are little niggles i mean i can't i used to do martial arts i can't do those anymore or not in the same way because my knees just won't I won't won't stand up to to a whole lot of heavy training but i feel better than I did when I was in my 20s and maybe even my 30s because I've, I'm free of all of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I can just get on with my life. It wasn't that it was painful or difficult having periods. It just was a massive inconvenience. And if I was stressed, it was always worse. Yeah. Stress made everything worse. And now it's like I'm in a stage of my life where I can actually enjoy myself and focus on the things that I truly want to do and which which are in my heart to do yeah and that that is a massive boost as well you know at, you know flooding me with all kinds of little endorphins and dopamine <laughs> and stuff <laughs> oh jill it's been absolutely fantastic having this conversation and like i said we could go on for for hours but but thank you thank you thank you so much for sharing this time I will make sure that, you know, whoever listens to this is kept informed because it's really an important subject that isn't getting talked about. So Radiant Menopause, you've heard it here. Stay tuned. Yeah, I have actually a website. So radiant, radiantmenopause.com. Oh, so if you can go onto that now, you will be able to listen through Apple and Spotify and Stitch, 
stitch thingy or whatever it's called. I'm <laughs> not very technical. So I have a, a Facebook page, Radiant Menopause, and a private chat group called Radiant Menopause Chat. So if you search for those, or maybe the links will go into the show notes here, the Radiant Menopause page is for men and women because we need to inform men too. But the Radiant Menopause Chat is a place for women. For so that's where you ask me the questions, where you share your share your shit where you talk about your vagina <laughs> or drop your shit maybe <laughs> whatever it is that's the place where you know, we can just be open and yeah. and build that sisterhood and that community so fantastic um, thank you so much i look forward i really do to seeing what comes next mm-hmm.